Lancers, I've called you here to this unprecedented gathering because we face an unprecedented danger. An enemy we don't yet fully understand. Mystic Guardians of the Universe. Recruited from across the galaxy for their bravery and courage. The best and brightest join to fulfill a solemn oath. In brightest day. In blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green, Green Lantern's, Lantern's light. light. Green Lantern's Light, a monthly podcast covering the adventures of Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, and the entire Green Lantern Corps from 1984 through today. Say the oath. Join the Corps. Green Lantern's Light. Available monthly at GreenLanternsLight.com. Tales of the Justice Society of America proudly presents Crisis Management Welcome to the third edition of Crisis Counseling. Okay, that's too dramatic. But, hey everybody, welcome, as I just said, to the third edition of Crisis Counseling. I was going for a dramatic opening, and I didn't like how it sounded. So you're going to get this one, as well as that one, and then you can pick out which one you like best. My name is Michael Bailey, and with me tonight is the one, the only, the Cyborg Superman. 
That's a good or, thing I was muted there because you came in with that that very dramatic over the top entrance and you couldn't hear me go. <laughs> Would have been fine, really. <laughs> now, um, maybe at some point I should use my announcer voice. <laughs> That's my dramatic announcer voice, as opposed to my 1940s newsreel announcer voice. I like but... that voice. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to do uh wow so we're here number th- with the third appearance of the monitor yes and yes. not one that is written by marv wolfman so that's that's kind of a big first one or a oh, big that's first true one. yeah you know what? i hadn't even thought about that see that's why i keep you around to point these things out that i may have missed that and i occasionally clean up and you know, <laughs> garbage and i can cook so there's that it's hamburger helper, but you know who doesn't <laughs> like hamburger helper? Yum. Well, the cows aren't all that crazy about it, but you know, <laughs> what do they know? You can you can hunt a cow with a hammer. So <laughs> it's not like they're sneaky creatures. <laughs> well, you know, we were talking just before we got started, and and this is probably as good a place as any to just kind of throw this out there to the listeners. Hi. Welcome to uh, well, this is the third episode, right, of uh, of crisis mm-hmm. management. And once again, I, I I feel compelled because these episodes will come out very uh, sporadically and irregularly to just kind of reiterate what the show is about. We are covering the pre-crisis monitor appearances. What that means is the little teases that were scattered all around the DC uh, multiverse at this time, teasing the character of the monitor. They never actually show him. They might show a body part or or something like that or a back of the head, but never really a a full reveal. And it was, it was really just kind of teasing. Who is this guy? What is this guy? What's this all about? And we're going to be covering these appearances uh, more or less in chronological order as they happen. This is the third one. Now, because these are the, you know, the first several appearances, they've gotten bigger coverage than what we eventually plan to do. As time goes on and we get closer and closer to the actual event of Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, the pre-crisis monitor appearances will be many more than what they are right now. You know, so far, you know, we had, what was it, like a year between the first two. But eventually, we're going to get to some months where there might be as many as, what, like six or eight issues in one month, you know, six Uh or eight different appearances. When we get to that point, we'll be covering, I I imagine we'll be doing very much like uh, what Jeffrey Taylor did when he was covering all the uh, Eclipso, what was the name of that? Eclipso, the Darkness Within. Yep. Um, annuals that happened in DC um, just a couple months prior to the death of Superman. You know, you guys covered this over on uh, From Crisis to Crisis. I thought he did a really good job of doing, you know, quick little, uh, you know, summations of what the annuals were, were about and a quick little discussion of, you know, some of the, the key things that happened in those issues. We'll eventually get to something like that because ultimately this is only tangentially connected to what we're actually covering with both yeah. Tales of the Justice Society of America and the crisis itself. Um, we're really doing these for one to be authoritative because it's fun. It's, it's nice to look back on these issues and everything, but also this gives a beautiful little snapshot of what the DC, you know, what DC comics looks like, you know, looked like at the time, you know, prior to the crisis. And so that's kind of the idea with this. 
So as time wears on, don't be surprised if the uh, the coverage gets a little sparser and a little sparser to eventually where the you know the the synopses are down to one sentence or one paragraph at most and a quick little discussion yeah, of, of what the things were about. And then he did this, and then he did that, <laughs> and the monitor was there. Next book, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for for our, the sake of time and our own sanity and and everything else, it'll just have to get to that point. But for now, we're we're going to give more or less uh, pretty good coverage to this one. I think, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think this uh, this would be more of a back to the bins coverage. Yes. Yeah, uh, of it as opposed to tales, where where sometimes we go a little more in depth with it. This is true. So, are we ready to dive right in? Yes, sir. You are leading the way this time. All right, all right. We are looking at Green Lantern Volume Two, Number One Hundred and Seventy Three. This is the February nineteen eighty four cover dated issue. Original cover price was seventy five cents. Cover by Dave Watchman Gibbons. Now this is this is pre-Watchmen, right? Watchmen was what 85 86 86, 86. Uh, going so, into 87. So yeah, this is uh this is very much pre um pre Watchmen Dave Gibbons if I don't if I can stop stumbling over myself. <laughs> great. Speak boy, speak. Good dog. <laughs> so on this cover, I like this cover actually. It's actually mm-hmm. really neat. It's uh Hal Jordan and he's being uh, hit with a uh, with a javelin. Well, there's really no other way to say it. He's being hit with a javelin that is busting open and pouring this yellow liquid that could be, you know, it could be something innocuous like lemonade or it could be something really disgusting like a urine sample. You really just don't know. But this yellow <laughs> liquid is all over poor Green Lantern and he's going, Ew, God, gross, get it off of me. And it says, Beginning a startling new chapter in the life of the Emerald Crusader. It says, Beware the Javelin, my son, which I think is, I think Beware the Javelin is pretty cool, but my son, I don't know, that's a little bit strange. Anyway, the Javelin's actually, he's he's really cool. He looks kind of like a cross between like, uh, oh, what was that dude that took over for Captain America? Uh, John uh, Walker. John Walker. He looks like a cross between John Walker and like the Golden Age Sandman. It's it's actually pretty cool. It's I'll a, go with that. That's yeah. um, yeah, that's a that's a good comparison. <laughs> and let's see here. Other credits we have. Len Wein is the writer and editor. We have Dave Gibbons again is the artist and letterer for this issue. Did I say Len Wein was letterer? I meant to say editor. If I said letterer, he was the writer and editor whereas Dave Gibbons was the artist and the letterer. Uh, Anthony Tollin was the colorist, and the title for this one is uh, Old Friends, New Foes. So Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, is back on Earth after a year-long guardian-induced exile, and he flies over the city of Los Angeles, California, happy to be home. He witnesses a car on the freeway below him plow through a barricade and power rings a ramp to keep the vehicle from plowing into other cars in the oncoming lane. Fearing the driver may have suffered a heart attack or stroke or something, Jordan swoops down to investigate, only to find that the driver is drunk as a skunk. Jordan encases the man in a giant green bottle to await the police and then flies off to his girlfriend's place, his girlfriend being one Carol Ferris, head of Ferris Aircraft and also his boss. 
Meanwhile, in a detection cloak satellite whirling in an ever-changing orbit high above the Earth, Lila delivers a message to the mysterious Monitor, telling him that Congressman Block is on the line for him. Block wishes to step up his campaign against Ferris Aircraft, and while the Monitor thinks that Block is a fool, he readily agrees to assist the Congressman simply so that he may monitor the effects on Green Lantern. You're a fool! (laughs) But I'll help you anyway. (laughs) Back at Ferris Aircraft, Hal and Carol arrive at the facility just in time for Jordan to save the life of Richard Davis, supposedly his oldest friend. But we see from Davis's thought balloons that he isn't too happy about Hal Jordan's return. Not at all. Not at all, no. He thinks some nasty thoughts. In one of the experimental labs, Hal is introduced to Dr. Clay Kendall and his team who are working on some sort of side chair and utilizes willpower to give the user telekinetic abilities. Hal, naturally, is coerced into giving the chair a shot and being well-skilled at utilizing his willpower to manifest changes in his environment pretty much all the time blows the team away by being able to manipulate a paper airplane via the chair. In North Los Angeles, a delivery truck is attacked by a masked bad guy known as the Javelin. And a secret cargo is captured. Back at Ferris, Hal is reunited with his old pal Tom Kalmuko, who he spares any racial epithets this time around, and they start to discuss the aircraft Tom is working on, a new version of Dr. Bruce Gordon. Remember that guy? Bruce Gordon's solar jet, when Gordon himself shows up and chats with Hal. Gordon, it seems, is now free of his Eclipso persona due to GL's assistance uh, at some past recent past issue, I believe. Uh, Carol gets a phone call informing her of the theft of the engine uh, for the solar jet and... After some hastily made excuses, Jordan cuts out to become Green Lantern once again and tracks down the party responsible. He catches up with the thieves who are flying along on these speeder bike looking things. And Green Lantern is in the midst of taking them down when the Javelin shows up. And after some standard back and forth in which GL appears quite confident in his ability to take this newcomer out, Javelin springs a surprise, unleashing a special Javelin that breaks open and coats Jordan with a fast-spreading yellow liquid. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Covered in yellow, the one thing the ring cannot defeat against, Green Lantern, plummets toward the Earth, far, far below. So what did you think of this one, Mike? Uh, I like this issue, and I really like this era of Green Lantern in general. When Lynn Wein took over the title with the previous issue, uh, Judgment Day, it was called. Uh, it was a really strong. It was almost like the first episode of a new season to a television series that kind of reintroduces a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because he had been in space for about a year before this, and it was boring. Oh, God, I hate reading that. I've read some of those issues, and it's just. Green Lantern gets involved with this alien, and then Green Lantern gets involved. Oh, oh, wait, wait, there's a backup. Okay, okay, I can read the backup. But um, (laughs) when he came back, it started off like a really strong storyline. And with all of the stuff going on at Ferris Aircraft and new villains and everything like that. So overall, I enjoyed the crap out of this uh, issue. The, uh, The cover is cool. 
Uh, I like Dave Gibbons' art. Uh, it's it's kind of hard not to see Watchmen in it now. Right. Yeah. But um, but you know you, you can kind of gl- get past that a little bit. The uh, him. I'm really glad that uh, Len Wein took a took a panel to tell us uh, how many deaths drunk drivers are responsible for in a year on page three. Uh, part of me was annoyed that we got a little, and now, you know, moment. And, uh, then I realized it was, uh, just, uh, him delivering some kind of, <sighs> how do I want to say this? It's, it's just a little throwaway scene saying that drunk driving is bad, basically. Drunk driving's bad, okay. Drunk driving's bad, and if you <laughs> drunk drive, it's bad. Um, <laughs> I don't think Carol Ferris has ever been as hot as drawn by Dave Gibbons. She is actually very attractive throughout this entire issue. I like Joe, she... Staten's, uh, Joe Staten's Carol Ferris as well. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with you here. She is When she comes out in that bathrobe, it's kind of a hubba 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 moment. Though I have a feeling if we saw more of Dave Gibbons draw Superman, this is exactly what Lois Lane would have looked like. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I had actually have a note about that, that uh, it, it's probably f- uh, the same with all of his characters. I didn't really note, but I did note that all of his blonde-haired men look exactly the same. Yes. Yeah, which is kind of... Uh kind of weird when you go from Hal's friend to uh, the other guy, to Clay Kendall, and then to Bruce Gordon, who's right. another blonde guy. <laughs> it's just like, really? Okay. The monitor scene, and I don't know if you felt this way, boy, this was before they had any idea who this character was going to be. Mm-hmm. Because the the interaction between him and Lila and monitor's characterization in general is very malevolent. Right. He's a bad guy. And that is not going to be the case in the end. But still kind of interesting to see. Um, let's see. Where was my next note? Oh, uh, page seven. And my assistant, Jose Alejandro Carlos Esteban Ramirez y Diego. Call me Jake. <laughs> like, you got to kind of wonder if maybe that was a, a, a slight editorial comment you know yeah. <laughs> um i really didn't like the whole hey this thing works on willpower let's put hal jordan in the seat right it's just like really uh, okay um i have to agree with the guys over at green lantern's light who covered this issue in their second episode i really like the javelin yeah he's actually a cool villain yeah he is it's it it surprised the heck out of me. He's cooler than he has any right to be. You know that's Seriously. what they said too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I it's just like wow, he should suck, but no, he's you know okay, wacky German uh, accent to the side. <laughs> you know he's still just kind of a fun character. Page twelve. <laughs> it comes down to this: what's scarier than scary German guy? Scary German guy throwing javelins at you. <laughs> that would actually be pretty damn scary, wouldn't it be? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess in general, anybody throwing a javelin at me would well, be yes. like, whoa! <laughs> but, um... Page 12, I love the amount of detail Gibbons put into that jet. Mm-hmm. It looks really nice. 
And uh, it's nice to see Tom Kalmaku, uh, or as our good friend Thomas DJ would say, Pipe Well, you know, I, I, and this is not me in any way being insensitive or whatever you want to say, but I kind of was hoping he would call him Pie Face, and he didn't, and I was just kind of like, ah, damn political correctness, because come on, that... That was his name back then. But it would, you know, as, as time wears on, it, it would seem very, uh, very awkward. So I guess if they're going to drop these things, they have to drop them sometimes. So, yeah. Um, and let's face it, Tom would have probably punched Hal dead in the face these days right. if, <laughs> if he opened up with pie face. Um, Len Wein throws a lot of characters at us in this issue. Uh, this is almost like the first real issue of his run, whereas the previous one was just getting Hal back on Earth and having things cleaned up with the Guardians. Um, but we are, you know, we're, we're we're reintroduced to his old friend. We've got the whole Clay Kendall or Kendall. Why do I want to say Kendall? Uh, well, he is blonde. Uh, thing going on, and then you have Bruce Gordon show up. And it's just like, wow, is anybody else going to be around the corner? I mean, are we, are we going to be, uh, are we going to go into an office and there's Gene Loring as Ferris's legal staff? I mean, well, actually, yeah. that would have been cool. But yeah, the only thing missing is Sinestro being on, you know, in the in the cliffhanger ending. Yeah. you know. <laughs> but uh, speaking of that, that's where my next note is. I actually kind of like this as a cliffhanger ending. Mm-hmm. It is very old school, but it works. Uh, because this is a legitimate, well, how the hell is he going to get out of this one? Yep, yeah. And to me, that is the perfect, um, the the very perfect cliffhanger ending, where you, you can't see how it's going to resolve itself. So, um, were we going to talk about the backup story at all? Sure, go ahead. This was a time period where the title had the Tales of the Green Lantern Corps backup series. Which were hit and miss to me. I don't know if you feel the same way. Uh, I liked some of them. Some of them I didn't. This one I really liked. Because you had the Green Lantern uh, ring and the lan- and the lantern itself coming into possession of basically a caveman. Who uses it to kind of kickstart technology on his world. And there's this like little bit of a twist ending that's really cool. Um, that I liked quite a bit. Did you like it? I thought it was a pretty interesting tale, except when I realized that, uh, unless I missed something here, on page going from page three to four, is this the same Green Lantern? I think it is. So within this character's lifetime, he actually went from being a caveman <laughs> to living in this very like Legion of Superheroes-looking society due to kickstarting technology on his planet. Because that's I, quite a leap. <laughs> I guess so. Um, but it is cool, though. I, I don't mean to, to ridicule it. It is actually a really cool story. Yeah, especially the fact that there's no dialogue. Right. Which is uh, kind of hard to put off, uh, pull off. But no, nah, the, the twist ending was good, though. I, I kind of liked how it all kind of came back on itself. Right. And uh, that kind of thing is usually... Uh, <laughs> Well, there is one line of dialogue, and so it goes. So, <laughs> this was written by Joey Cavalieri, 
uh, who would one day, uh, well, write some really crappy Green Arrow backups in Detective <laughs> Comics. But he also would edit the Superman titles in the late 90s. So, But that's all I have. Cool. I don't really have a whole lot of notes on this. Um, I noticed that uh, the, the monitor appearance basically comes down to the monitor's hands. That's really all we, we see of him. Um, the monitor is only in four panels, or five if you count the satellite, too. But is in four panels, and in the first panel you see his left hand, in the second panel you see his right hand, and in the next panel you see his right hand, and then in the last panel you see both his hands. And that's pretty much it. That's all you get. We do see a little bit more of, uh, of Lila in this issue, and uh, she's once again wearing her uh, skin-tight pink jumpsuit that's uh, unzipped all the way down to her belly button, <laughs> which, you know, it's some way to walk around the satellite, just all hanging out. Page one is both a really dynamic splash page, but it's also one of those pictures that makes me go, oh, God, that's got to hurt. Because, I mean, can your spine do that and you'd still be able to walk afterwards? Um, well, he is Green Lantern, so maybe he's got stretchy spine <laughs> and he's guess. got the ring on. It's really a nice perspective shot. It reminds me of kind of like what they do in comics now where they'll kind of slightly blur the background. Mm-hmm. to to give you that sense of, of perspective. And while it's not blurred in this, it still feels almost three-dimensional. And I like that. That's that's a really nice uh, you know, artistic touch that it, it does have a sense of depth to it. It's a really nice shot. Um, but the opener here, with it being, you know, Hal and he's back and he's, you know, he's delighting in the use of his powers and being back on Earth and reuniting with Carol and reuniting with uh, Tom and everything, going back and, and picking up the pieces of his life at, at Ferris Aircraft. I don't know where, I don't know when. I'd swear I've read this same GL story like a dozen times. Am I wrong on this? <laughs> no, it's... it's uh, Hal went through a lot of this kind of thing where he would go away, do something, and then come back. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I... Uh, I agree with you completely on that. See, I, and I haven't really even read that much Green, you know, of this Green Lantern because I, you know, I don't think I've ever made any secret of the fact I'm not a very big, I'm not really at all a Hal Jordan fan. I find him to be one of the more boring DC heroes. I have to be perfectly honest. He he's just seemed he always seemed to me very one dimensional. This isn't a bad story. And I actually enjoyed it, again, I, I hope this doesn't you know, sound really condescending, but I enjoyed it more than, than I think it deserved for me to enjoy it, if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I, I did get a kick out of it. But again, th- this almost feels like it could be Green Lantern number one. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's giving you everything, it's distilling everything you need to know about the character within just a few pages and, and setting up basically this is what his adventures are probably going to be like. It even brings in a new villain. So this could easily have been a new number one, but maybe it's just the the jaded longtime comic book fan in me. But it just tells me, well, this is probably as good as it's going to get, you know. And and that's why it's it's big and over the top for the first issue. But I don't know. But I I, I don't I'm not you know horribly familiar with the GL of this period. But once it actually gets into where it was paralleling. Crisis on Infinite Earths, I actually started following Green Lantern for a while because yeah. I liked some of the things that were happening there, you know, where 
Um, you know, eventually Guy Gardner, you know, was reinstated and, and things like that. So it's not a bad period. And no, I find it very, uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's probably of how, of the pre-crisis Hal Jordan stuff that I've read, it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the most solidly written of any of his eras. Yeah. Uh, with some really good artwork. And then Engelhart comes on and things get wonky at times. But <laughs> still, I loved the Green Lantern Corps as a, as a as it turning it into a team book. And it had my favorite alien Green Lantern ever, who is Chip. Chip. <laughs> Love Chip. Um, but it, it's the stuff that happened right before this issue that I look at as... The boring Hal Jordan. Right. And it's this stuff with Len Wein and then Steve Englehart where you're like, well, that's kind of cool. Right. So, yeah, I totally see your point, though. Hal can be snoozeworthy. <laughs> but I, I kind of like where it goes from here, especially as it gets closer into Crisis. And I've, I've always really dug the fact that this era of GL so closely paralleled the same era that was going on with Iron Man about the same time. Yeah. And I like that era of Iron Man a lot. So, yeah. Is that the O'Neill stuff? Um, I'm not Where sure. Where James Rhodes was, uh, was yeah. Iron Man yeah. a little bit? Yeah, because you know, he, he ended up being replaced by Rhodes about the same time that, that uh, Jordan was replaced by... Uh, John Stewart, and so they had that parallel thing. See, that stuff is great. Yeah. Yeah, I like that stuff a lot. I really do. I've I've always pretty much dug Green Lantern. Anytime Al Jordan's not the one that's Green Lantern. That's that's just the thing for me. He's just <laughs> he's my I'm sorry, he's just my least favorite GL. But I like I've always liked the concept of GL. You know, I've always liked um the other the other uh, ring bearers, it, it's it's just him. And I, I'm not even sure what it is because by all rights, I should really dig on this character. You know, I'm, I'm such a fan of, uh, you know, of, of uh, you know, like Apollo era space program and, and the test pilots and the guys that became astronauts and, you know, that cocky right stuff attitude. And I, I should really dig on this character. But for some reason, he doesn't, he doesn't exude that the way that I think that he should. You know what I mean? He just comes off as, to me anyway, he comes off as just kind of boring, kind of one-dimensional, and rather than being cool in his arrogance and cockiness, he just comes off as kind of a butthole, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. He's no Steve Austin. This is true. This is very, well, who is, though? Come on. But it, it is a shame that uh, that he died at the beginning of the next issue when he uh, hit the Earth at terminal velocity, too. I, I really feel badly about that. 32,000 feet per second per second. Right. <laughs> That'd be great. Actually, you know what? I actually have no idea how he gets out of this because... It's kind of cool. It's actually... It's, it's clever. It's the kind of thing you want to see in a Green Lantern story. Because that was the thing about Green Lantern is he always had that well you know, well until Kyle Rayner took over uh he always had that um you know i i am imper- i can affect everything but yellow and then you know goldface would show up and it's like well how <laughs> the hell am i going to beat this guy right <laughs> and then he would figure it out 
and it was almost... oh no it's a baby chick i'm defeated <laughs> that'd be great if somebody just started throwing baby chicks at him and they poke at his eyes and he's blinded forever <laughs> oh that would be great um no but seriously in all seriousness um you should have had a super villain called baby chick <laughs> <laughs> giant baby chick I will defeat you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> he can team up with Big Sur and they can battle Flash and Green Lantern together. Or Big Sur is Baby Chick. Oh, that that would be awesome. You see Big Sur in that freaking... Oh, I could totally see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. This one just went right off the rails, didn't it? <laughs> Yay. Well, you know, the, the, biggest, the biggest challenge for me now is to decide whether... You know, the, the next two... Um, books that we're going to be looking at in this crisis management series are GL issues. It's one, yeah. 176 and 178. So now I have to decide, do I want to read those issues in the interim and then let the listeners in on what happens, you know, next time around or be a total prick and leave them in the dark so that they, they're just going to have to wonder how the hell did he get out of this cliffhanger at the end of this issue. Either that or we keep talking about that it's uh, the zombie Hal Jordan. It's zombie Hal Jordan. I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're silly. I'm sorry. You were trying so hard to make a point, and I just totally ran away with it. I completely forget it, but I'm telling you right now, it really doesn't matter because Green Green Lantern versus the Baby Chick, Baby Chick, <laughs> Big Baby Chick, Big Baby Chick, <laughs> Big Baby Chick, Sir. Okay. I hate Big Sir. I hate that character so much. He just went up like a thousand percent in my estimation, though. Just thinking about how that, that could have been really awesome. You know, I could totally see that as like a Hostess Twinkies ad. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no. Somebody is in a giant baby chick costume. <laughs> how will I ever defeat him? I know. I'll use Hostess cupcakes. Yeah, I can, I can totally see that. And it would be really great if, if he goes, yay, Hostess cupcakes, shoves one in his mouth, looks at Green Lantern, and then snaps his neck. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets to the funeral. <laughs> mm. uh, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> Literally crying and laughing. So.
That's it for this week, folks. Be sure to visit our website at www.twotruefreaks.libson.com for more exciting podcasts featuring both Michael Bailey and myself, as well as Chris Honeywell, and several other sad and pathetic human beings who have nothing better to do with their time. Join our forum at www.forumforgeeks.com where you can comment on this week's show and interact with us and your fellow listeners. We've built a great, fun, and friendly community there, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. As always, you can reach us by email at talesofthejsa at gmail.com. And of course, both Michael Bailey and myself are on Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, if you enjoy this show, won't you please take a moment to mention us on the social networking site of your choice, whenever you're listening to one of our episodes word of mouth is still the best way to let others know about our show and we really appreciate your helping us to grow our listenership once again folks thank you so much for listening and be sure to join us next time for the tales of the justice society of america Let's get this show on the road, gang. I'm Batman. This looks like a job for Superman. Mondays. Available the third Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com.